Good morning. How are you guys doing? Hey, um, I wanted to, one, follow up that tailgate and teams announcement with, um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but BJ has been running around all over here this morning. And uh, so he's on cameras and because he was going to be up here with the worship team. And then because of COVID, you know, people just are taken out at the last possible minute. Uh, So you may notice that I'm doing kind of double duty and he's doing about triple duty. And um, all of that to say, if you guys are not currently uh, part of, you know, doing stuff around here and you'd like to be, (laughs) we would love to have you. Because uh, we could really use some more people to learn soundboard. He can train you on that. He can train you how to run cameras, how to kind of uh, help with some of the back. Or if you have some skills up here, we'd love to have you on the worship team too. So just to let you know, um, that's out there. So offer is out, waiting to hear anxiously, anticipating all the mail that we're going to get, emails, right? So anyway, have, uh, let's go into this morning. Um, I have a question for you guys. How many of you guys have ever played that game where you take the bat, put it down on the ground, put your head on the bat, spin around about 10 times, and then try and run a straight line? Anybody done that? <laughs> Some people are going, I would never, right? Okay, so uh, believe it or not, it kind of messes with you, right? And it's really fun to watch others, but if you've ever done it, you know that there's this feeling. I remember when I was in high school, we ran a relay, we were doing this thing, and I got up. And what I couldn't understand was I knew I was standing upright, right? Everything in me told me I'm standing upright, and I couldn't figure out why the ground was coming like this up towards me. And if you watch somebody running it, I mean, they're keeping perfect like running form all the way into the ground as they fall over because your equilibrium's out. It's just gone. You're so disoriented. As, as we've been talking about this idea of just having a sense of direction, that's a game where you completely lose any sense of up, down, left, right, anything. Now, how many of you guys would say, and maybe you haven't played that game, but you've been kind of spun around on a merry-go-round or something where you've gotten like that, How many times have you felt like maybe uh, that way just by everything that's thrown at you in a given week or just in the course of your life? How many of you felt that you have been so spun around that you kind of feel disoriented as well because of the number of just messages that are thrown at you in a given day? That you're just so many different stories, so many different versions of what the problem is and what the solution should be. And they don't always line up, do they? they sometimes they conflict and you're, you're going, I don't even know. I don't know which is right. I don't know what's up, what's down, right? Anybody ever feel that way? Right, why? Because there's, there's so much coming at us and it's constant. It's from everywhere. It's on television. It's on the billboards. It's, on, it's online. It's on Facebook and on Twitter. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's on our phones. It comes in spam. It comes in legitimate emails. And sometimes you can't tell them apart, right? Constant. And it can be confusing. It, it can be disorienting. Aren't you glad that God has given us his version, his story, his word, so that we can go back We can reorient, we can reattach to that, we can get our bearings again, and it never changes. Let's stand together as we listen to what God has to say about his word. These are words from 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, 
And it's a quote from the Old Testament, but then he goes on. And I want us to listen to this. This is God talking about his word. He says, all flesh is like grass, the grass of the field, and all its glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. In this line, and this is the word that was proclaimed to you. We've been talking about this idea of getting a sense of direction, this idea of what does it mean to be this compassionate Christian community that we believe God has called us to be. And so we spent a couple of weeks on compassion, and thank you to Pastor Lyle for his message a couple of weeks ago. It was a fantastic message on what does it mean to be compassionate. Last week, Pastor Cheryl led us into considering what does it mean to be a Christian community, not just a compassionate community, but a compassionate community. Christian community, and we're going to dig into that a little bit more today. And it has everything to do with what we're looking at today is everything to do with this word, this word that God has given to us, this word that doesn't change. Being Christian is, has something to do with our relationship to God and his word. This morning's message is, is titled, Christian, We Believe. Father, this morning, we want to have our ears open, our eyes open, and most of all, our hearts open to hear from you. Father, there are times that the, the story that you give sometimes gets swirled around and just caught up in the mess of all the other stories, all the other messages and information that get thrown at us. And it begins to look almost the same. It gets, it gets blurred. It gets lost and we lose sight of what it really is, it's that one message that never moves. We might get spun around. We might think the world is coming up to meet us when we're actually coming down to meet it. We might think we're standing upright when we're turned completely backwards and upside down. But Father, your word never changes. So I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would fill this place and lead us to understanding why you have given to us your own word, and, and how we are to respond to that. What are we supposed to do with this word you've given? Father, teach us about what it means to be a compassionate Christian community. We pray these things for your glory, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, by the power of your spirit who is with us now. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So uh, several years ago, a friend of mine uh, suggested, recommended a book to me. It was called Wired for Story, and it was a book about writing books. Sounds like a thriller, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds like, every, when I said that first time, it was almost, you can almost feel the yawns, right? But what caught me in this book, I was thinking the same kind of thing. I was like, how good can this be? But as I got in, the opening lines caught me because in it, in just the opening paragraphs, there was this line and it said something along the lines of, stories have been more instrumental in human development, even than opposable thumbs. Because while opposable thumbs help us to hold on to things, stories tell us what to hold on to. I thought that was interesting and true. I mean, often we think of stories as entertaining. We love stories. 
We are, we, our brains are literally wired for stories. We start hearing a story and the dopamine starts pouring out. We get sucked right in and we get this great feeling when we hear a great story. We love them. They inform us, they shape us, they connect us. A good story can connect over time and over space, over geography. It can, can take people from totally different ends and bring them together. A story. In 2017, there was a team of researchers that was from, uh, from Griffith University down in Australia, and they were bushwhacking through central Indonesia. And what they were looking for were unexplored caves because they were looking for cave art, prehistoric cave art. And there was a grad student with them. His name was Basran Burhan. And he, he zeroed in on this one valley that hadn't been explored yet. And he found this cave. And nobody had been in this cave for a long time. And as he walked in, he saw the art that was lining the walls. And he turned this corner and he saw this one piece that ended up being, as they were able to actually take a fleck from it and, and do the carbon dating, they found, they said it is the oldest, the oldest cave art found to date. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you're out? I mean, obviously it's the jungle of Indonesia, so you're drenched in sweat. You've been bushwhacking for weeks now. You come across this cave and you're looking at this piece of art that has been there for 45,000 years. It's amazing. Now, what was it? Do you know what, you know what the piece was? It was a story. It was a story. Now, you might say it was just a picture because it was just a, showed this pig and this pig's looking down on these two other pigs that are fighting. But that's a story. That's not a farmer showing a picture of a pig and then drawing and telling you all about the characteristics of this pig that he raised. Not that. It's not, a, it's not this guy that has this tally marks that show you how many pigs he has in his, in his, in his pen right now. It's this man or this woman that came across this scene and something about that scene stuck out and he says, I, I need to tell people about this. So he told a story in this picture. Now what's funny about that story is that, that same story could have been told last week by two farmers sitting down over a cup of coffee in central Iowa, right? They had these two pigs that were fighting each other in the pen and they're sitting there talking about it. Could have been told a couple of weeks ago by a couple of these game hunters down in, down in East Texas that found these wild boars. And they said, you know, we turned the corner and there's two of these wild boars and they're fighting each other. It's a story. It transcends time. And God has given us in our brains, we're able to enter into that story and say, can you imagine what it's like to be that person looking and seeing this pig, looking down over his other pigs? What was he thinking? What was going through his head? What was the story he was trying to get across by this picture? That's what stories do. And God has wired us for story because stories transcend time and space and they connect us as people. That's why God gave us his story. He didn't just send us a letter with all these kind of list of characteristics about who he was so that we could memorize them and know about, about him. He didn't give us just this list of to-dos or not-to-dos and, and just tell us, you know, keep these laws and, and so that we could kind of know what he liked or he didn't like from a distance. Instead, we got this, this story 
We got this story in, in book form about people that actually interacted with God. And they got to say, you know what I found out was this is kind of what he's like. We had this story about those who found out what was on God's heart and as they tried to live up to his intentions and they tried to live up to his highest purposes and they failed miserably and then they got to find out about his grace just like we get to. And as we try to live up to God's highest purposes and then we fall on our faces and we find out that God comes alongside with his grace and he restores us. And then we find out about this God that he wasn't even, he wasn't even satisfied to stand at a distance and send us his story and let other people interact with it. Instead, he, his story, his word, this word that was proclaimed to us, it actually, he comes down and he takes on human flesh. He puts on a body. He lives among us as the son of God. God himself among us, living out that story and the story took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. We say, well, why was that story? Why was it so important that God give us his story? Well, because just like modern neuroscientists are finding out, is stories, I mean, we, the stories that, that lie at the core of what helps us understand our lives, understand this world that we live in, if we can have a story that can be that, that, that core piece, that foundation that can change everything for us. That's how we're wired. That's how our minds work. That's how our lives work. That's how we're made. Now, stories can be used to convey facts about something. Stories can be used just for fun. We love fun stories. We see them in our, in our, our films and in plays and in books. We, we get caught up in them. We can imagine ourselves in them even if they're not, they're not true at all. Stories can also be those things that frame out our lives and those things that we use as filters to determine what, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. I can almost guarantee you that if you have a, a, like a guideline in your life, if you have a, a, a kind of one of those, those um, principles that you try to live by, I can almost guarantee you that it's attached to a story. It helps you remember it. And I can almost guarantee you that any story that you remember, most of them will have some kind of a principle, some kind of a point to them. That's why you remember them. But beyond that, beyond the framing, beyond the filtering, there are also times that stories provide the very foundation that we build our lives on. And God said, that's what his story is meant to be. It's meant to be that place that we find, we find a solid foundation when everything else moves. We find a place that we can count on when everything else is shaking and falling apart. That this is the one place, the one thing that we can count on. You know, we live, I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a world that's pretty broken up, right? Now, you might not agree fully with everything that God has to say about how far it's broken, but you don't have to look very far to find out that it is broken. You don't have to look very far to find out that we're messed up in a lot of different ways. And you find in that there are a lot of people that are coming with their version of what the problem is and their version of what the solution is. There's a lot of different stories that say, if you'll just anchor your life onto this story, everything 
we'll be okay. The problem is with those stories is everybody seems to have a different one and they don't all match up. And that makes it real hard to decide which story to choose. So why would we ever pick God's story over some of these other stories? You might have individuals, you might have some really smart people that come up with some really good ideas about what's going on. They might be close, they might hit, sometimes you go, yeah, it seems to explain a lot of things, but why would we choose God's story? How is it different than any of these? Why is it not just another story in the mix? I want you to think about something. All of these stories that we come up with, my stories, your stories, All these are the stories of historians, the stories of the counter-historians, the stories of of the politicians and the counter All of those stories, they all come together. They all come from within that mess that we live in, don't they? It's like a bunch of fish trying trying to describe how wet the water is. We can't do it because we're in it. No matter how hard we try and get away from it, to look at it, to describe it, we can't do it. We're broken, and all of our stories are broken because we're broken. Why would we choose God's story? Because his story is the one story that claims to come in from outside of that mess. That just claims it. His story is the one story that, as you test it, seems to hold up to the claim that it comes outside of that mess. His is the one story that involves him coming down, living among us, And when the worst brokenness, that worst thing, that thing that tears us up the worst, death itself tries to take him out, his is the one story that even overcomes that, that shows that he is beyond even that touching him. Why would we listen to him? Because it seems that he has a story, he has a word that comes from outside of the brokenness and tells us, tells us where we should live, gives us an objectivity that's not just our own, our own mess, our own broken objectivity, but is his. Part of what it means to be Christian is not just believing in something about Jesus. Everybody believes something about Jesus. Being Christian means that you have anchored your life to, you have given yourself to, you have believed not just imagined, not just hoped, but you've given yourself to this story that you believe God has spoken from outside of this mess in order that we might have a foundation when everything starts to shake. It's believing the story that Jesus said God was telling, that story that he said he spoke through human beings, in spite of how messed up we can be, somehow he still was able to speak his story through men and women. That's amazing. That he said that this story that he compiled compiled both in a a very physical book and then in the person of Jesus Christ, even though we know that when, when people compile things, a lot of times those processes are taken over for political reasons or for, to manipulate other people. But he said that he was able to compile this and he was able to keep, he superintended that gathering so that this became, this still conveyed his story and not just our own. The story that he said he shepherded down through the centuries 
without losing any of the main points or corrupting any of the most important features that he said that he was in charge of bringing to us. That's the story that we say we believe. Being a Christian is not just believing something about Jesus. Being a Christian is believing the story that Jesus said God was telling. Part of what it means to be, be that is, is to believe not just that this was the best thoughts that we could put together about God, from within this mess that we're in, but that somehow this truly communicates and it gives us anchor points of the most important things God wanted to convey to us in the midst of our broken world so that we would have a foundation, that we would have something that would not shake. And Peter says, this is the word that was communicated to you. This is the story that God has told. So what is it that we say that we believe? Throughout the centuries, there are Christians that have tried to summarize this because we could just start reading in Genesis and say, well, we gotta read. Okay, they've tried to summarize it. They've tried to boil it down. And one of the, one of the first kind of, um, not just attempts, but one of the first kind of summaries of the Christian faith that was made, it was called the Apostles' Creed. It reaches back, there's an older creed called the Roman Creed, but the Apostles' Creed has come down through the centuries, through the millennia to us. And I want to use that as just a framework. And I want to tell you the story that we say we believe. This is the creed that they, when, when Christians were baptized, they said, if you can say this and say this is the anchor point of your life, this is your confession, then you, you are a Christian. You are anchoring your life on the story that God has told. Apostles' Creed starts out, it says, I believe in God. I believe in God. It's an important starting point because what does it mean? It means we're not alone. It means there is a God out there. It means that this world is not just a series of random mistakes that led up to where we are now. This is a world with purpose that God has intended for his glory. I believe in God. I believe in a God who's, who's involved in this world and who is walking with me. And not just any God, because there's a lot of gods described out there, but it says, I believe in God the Father. The father, the personal God, the God who loves us like the story Jesus told about the prodigal son's father who was searching by waiting for him, who was loving at a distance but who had loved fully before so that love and that compassion and the kindness would bring that child home. We believe in God the Father, the God the Father whose heart breaks when we run from him, whose heart breaks when our lives crash around us because of our own just bad decisions. We believe in God the Father Almighty. It's not like he's up there with a bunch of other gods that they're duking it out, seeing who can have the upper hand, and he just happens to be winning today. This is God the Father who's set so far above all others. He's the Almighty. He's not just a mighty one. He is the Almighty One who is the maker of heaven and earth. He's created everything we see, everything we don't see. Everything we understand if we run through this life, everything we don't understand because it, it transcends where we, we can't even imagine the things of heaven and yet he has created those two. He's created all. All of it is under his power, under his guidance, under his, his sovereignty. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. I'm a son of God. You are a son or a daughter of God. 
but we're not son or daughters like his son. I believe in Jesus Christ, his, his only son. He, was, he is God of true God. He is, he is begotten of the Father. He is light of true light. I'm adopted into his grace, by his grace. I'm adopted into that life and into that family. But he, he came from the heart, from the very essence of God. There's God the Father, there's God the Son. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, because he stands as Lord. He is friend to us. He is Savior to us. He is Redeemer and Restorer. He chases as he is the lover of our soul, but he is our Lord. Because he is the first among many brethren and the brothers and sisters in Christ. He is the first of many. He is our Lord. That's what we believe. Who is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He wasn't just, he's not just like us. He's not just a human being that happened to transcend somehow and become more enlightened. He was fully God, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have a human father. You say, well, how was God able to, God created the whole thing. How do you think he did it? But God himself came in and took on human form through this, this, his mother Mary, who was a virgin when she gave birth, to show this was not the work of man. This was not the work of humanity in the normal course of things. This was God entering in to make himself known. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, a real person with a real name and a real time in history, was crucified, real pain, real death, was buried. A death like we know where his physical life had ceased. He descended into hell. Ephesians said he goes to the lowest place so that he might fill the lowest and the highest. He might fill all things and be all in all. And then the third day he rose from the grave. Why? Because death couldn't hold him. I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the very God who lived among us, died, entered into hell, and took the keys of death and hell that he might have dominion, that he might have sovereignty in every place, even those places where he never intended for us to be. He then ascended into heaven where he sits, sits because the work is done at the right hand of God, that place of power, that place of honor, that place of authority, the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, who is the presence and the power of God who's alive in us and living in us and through us, any of those who have given themselves to Jesus Christ, who have anchored themselves to this story. He says he has sealed us to himself through his spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, that universal gathering of believers around this globe, not just this place, 
But any and all who call upon the name of Jesus, the holy Christian church, the communion of the saints, those who have gone before, those who are here presently, those who will come after the the communion and fellowship that we share in that life that has been given us in Christ, the forgiveness of sins, amen? The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body where we will fully... (laughs) transcend all of this brokenness and live in the life everlasting. That's what we believe. So the question is, is that what we have anchored our lives to? Is that that touch point that reorients our lives, our, our minds, our spirits? Is that, is that where we find that reference point that tells us what's up and what's down? When everything spins around and turns upside down, is that the place we go to find our reference, to find our sense of direction? Because being a Christian is not just believing something about Jesus. Being a Christian is anchoring ourselves to that story that Jesus said God was telling and telling through him. So the question is, what do we choose? There's a lot of stories out there. We, we have the responsibility to choose which of those stories we're going to tie ourselves to. Which of those stories we're going to anchor ourselves to? And we have to pick one. Stories are the foundation of our lives. They are the things that frame and that filter everything. We decide. We choose. So what does it mean to choose the story that God has been telling? What does it mean to be a Christian. First of all, what do we do with that story? Well, first of all, we explore that story. A lot of people run around and they say, I'm a Christian. They have no idea anything about the story that they say they're tying their life to. They've heard bits and pieces about it, but that's not a story. That's one of the things about like the cave art. You see this picture and a lot of times they don't know what the story is because all the pieces have fallen off. But we have to explore that story. We have to dig into it. We, we need to find out what is the story that God is telling so that we can decide, am I going to believe? Am I going to anchor my, my life to that story by faith? So we explore it. You guys, we, we try to give you so many opportunities around here. We try to present, give you opportunities for that, whether it's the rooted class or whether it's Bible studies or whether it's Old Testament surveys or New Testament surveys or just book groups or community groups, something so that we can explore together this story and understand it. We can explore it together. Because the first thing we need to do, we need to know what we believe. We need to explore the story. Second, we need to examine that story and examine our faith in response to it. And that means, I mean, ask the tough questions. A lot of times people are afraid to ask the really tough questions because they're afraid if they ask this question, their whole whole faith is going to fall apart. If God's not big enough, my dad told me something one time that really helped me out. He said, you know, if we can ask a question that's too big for God to answer, we need to probably find a different God. If we can outthink him, do you think God's trembling about the questions that we might have? about what this faith is or how, does he have a problem with us poking at it? No, he expects us to. 
He expects us to dig in, to find out what he's saying, to understand that fully. But when we have the hard questions and the deeper you dig, the harder the questions will get. But dig in, ask them and ask a bunch of people. Find out if they have some ideas that can help you kind of run down. Ask God to start opening up your mind and and leading you to places that will help you to answer these questions. But examine your faith. Explore the story. Examine the story. Because the third thing, and this is the thing that's most important to God, we need to exercise our faith. What that means is we need to believe. You cannot remain a skeptic and be a follower of Jesus. You cannot continue to hold Jesus at arm's distance and still give yourself to him. You can't can't do both of those. You can follow Jesus and continue to ask questions, but you cannot remain in that place of skepticism where you hold him off. At some point, you have to choose. Do I choose this story or do I leave it? You have to choose. Do I either take that jump and say, I'm going to anchor to it, or do I think there's something better out there? We have to choose. And all of that exploring and all of that examining should lead us to the point that we can exercise our faith. Everyone needs a story that they use as the foundation of their lives. That thing that they believe will not move when everything else moves. Everybody needs that. Being a Christian is saying, I have chosen the story that God is telling. And I have locked my life by faith into that story. You know, many of you guys know that this last month has been, um, has been challenging for me personally. My dad passed away uh, on December 18th. And um, the one thing that I think stood out in that time for me above anything else was that in that place, when we were with my dad in those last, that last day and a half, when you enter into a place where, where death is present or death is imminent, everything is shaken. Everything in your life. It begins to shake. And some of it begins to crumble. And some of it, you know, is just going to get cleared away altogether. One of the things I always loved about my dad, um, I'm actually his namesake. I'm a junior. And so my dad, I knew throughout all of my life until December 18th, I knew there were two of us running around with that name, right? And I could always count on that. And we were coming to a time when that would no longer be true. And I was, I was kind of, I, I was a little kind of um, surprised by how that, that, just that thought struck me. Because everything, even the little things start shaking. This relationship I had with, this is the man who, who taught me so much of what I knew and modeled for me everything about, about music and about ministry. And he taught me how to tie my shoes and he, he brought us to our swim lessons. And, he, this was, and, and all of that was getting shaken. When death enters this picture, all of a sudden, everything we know, and then we're faced with the fact, you know what? If he can go, I can go. 
in everything we own, in our relationship to our possessions in this world and people, relation, everything changes and is shaken. And in that time, what I noticed was there was this unshakable thing. And I, I, I couldn't, I didn't recognize it at first, but then I, it became more and more apparent that there was this, this foundation that just wasn't moving. And it was where I was gathering too, and, I, and my brother and my sisters and my mom and, and my dad. And we're standing on this place that wasn't moving. When everything else was rattling around and the one thing that wasn't moving, and I don't know how to describe this to you because it was this very real but very personal and very non-physical kind of a thing, but there it was, and it was this foundation, and it was, it was Jesus. It was him alone. And I, I came out of that and I was thinking, you know, if I give you guys, if, I, if you go out of here and you feel good about your life, that's great, but if you don't have Jesus, I haven't helped you at all. If, I, if, I, if you guys go out of here and your relationships are better and you're thinking better about yourself, but you don't have Jesus, I haven't helped you because when life starts shaking, those things aren't going to help. They're part of what gets shaken up. But in that moment, there was this place and this person. There was this story that we were anchored to, and it provided an unshakable foundation. And there are going to be times in our lives that are going to shake us to pieces. And if we don't have that place, and what I've found is Jesus is the only place I've found that doesn't move. He's the only person that doesn't move when everything else moves. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means that we have taken the story that God is telling and we have made that the foundation that we have locked into. Our toughest questions, they, they change from being these places that we think are our greatest weakness to when God answers them, they become that, that, that anchor in the rock that doesn't allow us to fall anymore. It's, it's those, it, it is that place that doesn't move anymore. That's what it means. To be Christian is to know that we have a story, we have a person, we have an anchor point that doesn't shake when the world falls in that we can count on. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen?